This sounds like a small thing, but uh, could I ask Ben, Chris, others that have been just going, going with, with sound and media, would you guys just come forward really quick if you can? I know Chris has got friends, but yeah, where's, where is Jacob? He's part of that. Security, come on. Thank you, Lord. He's coming? He's doing his rounds? Okay, catch him on his next time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, team. Would, would you mind just playing something soft? One of you guys got the cool sound somewhere. But, uh, amen. Rest, rest of you guys, I think we can transition. Um, well, Jacob's coming, but I just, uh, this is for all who serve, absolutely. But, uh, It's very simple. I'm telling you something you already know. But I feel like the Lord's just reminding you, do not be deceived. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. God will not be mocked. It's a creation. It's something he's set in order. What a man sows, he will reap. And I just so feel the heart of the Lord to say, you are not invisible. You're not forgotten. And what you do is so important to him. Of course, to us but to him. How you guys serve and your faithfulness to the Lord is important to him. So I just felt like the Lord just said, I've got, I've got something for each of you. So would you just stretch your hands forward? We're all part of the body of Christ. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his everything, but he's the head. And so everything we do flows from him. So Lord, we just release your gift this morning for them. We thank you, Jesus, that they indeed reap from what they've sown and I thank you Lord that you are very good at keeping the balance and Lord I thank you God what we sow you bring reaping that's multiplied many times over and we thank you Lord what you give is always so good so we just release that now we just declare your anointing Lord a release of your anointing God to be empowered to do God beyond Lord, their abilities. You've given them so many abilities, but Lord, I thank you for anointing that goes beyond that. I thank you for strengthening and times of refreshing. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just stand with them. We just declare your anointing over their life. Thank you, Jesus, over their homes. Blessing, unity within their homes. In Jesus' name, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We release, Lord, your gift over them today. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Be ready for, for the Lord to put people around you that he can multiply you through. Okay? Be ready for that. And just know it's like going to become easy. It's just going to be, it's relational. It's not like some program. But God's going to duplicate a lot. Amen. And it's going to be a blessing and it's going to, the, the burden is going to feel lighter than it's felt. I just really feel like the Lord's just saying, I'm bringing in more. Amen. Amen. 
bless you guys. love our worship team. Amen. I love their heart to uh, be popular with God and not be concerned about being popular with anybody else. Just God, we're here to love you and bless you. Oh, thank you, Lord. What God will do with that. Amen. I can feel the compassion of God. I, I can feel the, the zeal of the Lord this morning. Uh, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm rather tired in my flesh. Uh, that's a, a gift from, from babies and, and children and all the above. And then, of course, uh, it, it feels like I pretty much never go into bed early on a night before preaching. But, uh, but man, the spirit is so willing. The flesh is weak. But the spirit is willing. And I, I just, I feel the zeal of the Lord like an urgency, like, man, we better not leave this place today without having really grabbed a hold of God. Yes. And I'm telling you what, there are people in your life that cannot afford any longer for you not to really follow him with everything you've got. And that's not a word of condemnation. That's in a word of conviction, which, by the way, is drawing to you. I, I, I've, anytime I feel the Lord convicting my heart, I, I find him just pulling me in. It never is like, you know, ew, you don't do that. But he's also correcting us because he's a father who loves his children. He's like, hey, come to me. I, I have to do this as a, as a dad from time to time. Uh, with five kids, it's quite often, especially with her three-month-old, she's... Uh, She's really needing a lot of correction lately, but uh, with sleep, nope, go back to sleep. Uh, no, it's not time to eat. Uh, did that five minutes ago and 15 minutes before that, but uh, praise God. But I'm telling you, there is an urgency. I believe the Holy Spirit is, he's saying just, it's time to really awaken and really surrender and really follow. And uh, I told Jules, I was like, man, I just, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I'm so, like, part of my assignment is to stomp on some religious spirits. <laughs> That's what I told her. So uh, we'll see what happens today. But, um, you know, I, I've, uh, the last number of weeks, I keep just feeling this, this theme emerging, and I, I feel like the Lord's been you know, trying to get my attention, and, uh, and I really believe it's, it's tied to the message today, and so I'm just going to share out of that, out of my heart, you know, everything that's of God is going to stick, and it's going to be powerful and transformative. If I add to it, just chuck it out the window, anything that just sounds like it's flesh, but um, it's very simple, but it's like I've been observing it in situations of life, in my own heart, in other people's lives, and, and just the world around me, but the distinction between being a believer and a follower. And, uh, I mean, you, you ever seen an unhappy Christian? You know what I mean? There's some unhappy Christians out there. And I'm not saying you don't go through hard times. How many know Jesus said, if you sign up for this, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But then he adds this, but fear not, because I've overcome the world. How many know we're supposed to 
We get to follow the overcomer. We just walk in his path. He's the one who's already paved the whole path. And he said, just follow me. Walk in my victory. I mean, isn't that amazing? Just think about that. Like if you were, say, on some sports team and you wanted to, like, hey, we're going to, you know, if you're in baseball and you want to win the Super Bowl and if you're in football and you want to win the World Series. No, I'm just joking. That's totally backwards. But uh, seeing if anybody, anybody is awake. Um, score the goal. Uh, but think about it. If you're the, you're the Seahawks and you've got a not the best offensive line, uh, per se, uh, just for example, uh, not that that has anything to do with reality, but, uh, but you get to just say, oh, we're going to team up with you guys and we automatically get to win. Like, isn't that amazing? That's what we get in Jesus. But the win is so much greater than a momentary victory of a battle. It's an eternal victory that begins now and never ends. Whoo! Thank you, Lord. So we get to follow in, in his path, follow in his victory. But I've, uh, I've just observed this distinction between believing and following. And, you know, in James, he, he says... If you, you believe that in God, you do well. Congratulations. Show of applause, golf clap. That's kind of what it says. I, I'm pretty sure in the new inspired something or other. Uh, but uh, golf clap, you believe in God. So do the demons. But they tremble. Because they know who he is and they do not follow him. Why do they tremble? They tremble because they're against him. If you really know who he is and you're against him, you'd tremble. But to believe in him and to know who he is, man, it invites us into following because everything he did was I paid the price, I did it all, you get to walk in this, just follow me. But how many know that confronts something in our flesh that says, no, I want to follow me. How many know we do that? Like, you get out of worship, amazing service, like, Lord, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life, wherever you lead. If you call me across the, the span of the globe, I will follow you. And he's like, hey, do you remember that friend that you had a little um, beef with and you haven't talked to in a while? I want you to give him a phone call. Like, no, Lord, I said, if you call me all the way across the globe on this massive purpose and mission, I will go. You need to apologize to your wife. How many know that's just as important to God? And sometimes a lot harder. Amen. But there's, a, there's something that happens when, we be, when our belief turns into action. James says in that same passage, faith without works is dead. And he says it three times in about a span of about ten verses. Three times. I think God's trying to say something. Faith without works is dead. How many know we are not saved by works? Right? But do you know that in eternity we are judged by them? Okay, I'm, that's not like legalism. That's just um, 
Oh, what's it called? The Bible. Yes. Uh, and uh, how many know we need to know all of who he is? He is so merciful. And he's also just. He's a humble lamb led to the slaughter. But he's a lion of Judah. He's a king of kings. He's our high priest, but he's also the king and judge. Amen. He's interceding for us, but he also will judge. Jesus said the father won't judge. He won't do it. He gave that to me. That's my job. And he, his blood cries out. The Holy Spirit cries out, says, put the blood on your life. Apply the blood to your life. Follow him. Enter into eternal life. And that judgment, it, we're judged according to his righteousness. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Praise God. But, um, you know, I, here's an example I'll give you about believing versus following. You ever... Uh, you ever, you know, I, I've done this, so I'm, I'm just speaking from firsthand experience of being a bit of a dull head, okay? Uh, but where faith kind of sits in a chair and begins to declare the word of God, but according to my own will. Do you, does that make any sense, what I'm saying? Um, such as all of the promises of God are yes and Amen. And I, I begin to start praying that over every situation, I want to go my way. Well, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. And is that word true? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, but there's this distinction that I felt the Holy Spirit like, boom, just land in my heart. It says all of the promises of God are in him. Yes. And in him, Amen. And I tell you what, what happens when the reason faith without works is dead is because it's not in him. It's separated from him. It's I'm going to take this formula, say these things, do this, and believe it into existence, but it's apart from relationship with him. God has called us into this higher plane, this higher way of living, which is to walk with him, follow him, and then we get to walk in the promises of God or in him, yes, and in him, amen. But how many know sometimes there's not a promise that's very clear? Say you, you're hoping, I, I remember one time praying for a job, and I was declaring, I'm the blessed of God. I, in my coming and my going, I'm blessed. In the, in the field, I'm blessed. And, and, you know, enemies coming at me one way, they're going to depart seven ways. I'm blessed. And, and you start just kind of declaring the word, and, man, I'm, I'm blessed, and all these things. And uh, it didn't go the way that I had prayed for it to go. Anybody ever had that happen? Hee-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I, I almost forgot that maybe God had a better plan in mind that was different than mine. It's almost like we get a sense as believers, because we, we know enough of him, we get a sense for what God wants to do, but then we go and try and do it apart from him. Ask Abraham about Ishmael. He knew God's purpose in his life. He knew God said, I'm going to bless the entire world through your seed. I'm going to bless the entire world, and I'm going to bless you. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea. And, 
And Abraham's like, I'm getting really old. I think my clock is about to give out, and I better have a boy before I'm, I'm dead. Right? And so he makes his own way of doing it. And his, his wife was an uh, enabler. What do we call that? Uh, an assistant to the crime. Uh, and, uh, and God still blessed Ishmael. How many know God still didn't, like, curse him to death or anything like that? God blessed Ishmael. But, but guess what? God said, I, that's still not the way I'm doing it. And the way that he wanted to do it, as it says in the New Testament, the son of promise, God produced something eternal that we are literally seeing on the globe of this earth today, like, and will last for eternity. It's amazing. We've been grafted into the people of God. Abraham, anybody know the song? Father Abraham. Okay. There's something very powerful when we humble ourselves and just say, God, I don't know it all, and I want to follow you. I feel like, um, I feel like Cartine pretty much preached the message. I, I think we just need to hug Jesus, I, and I'm, I'm serious. I could, I could, could you feel the Lord as she was speaking? We could feel the Lord as you spoke. That was right on. We've got to hug Jesus. How many know we don't have the strength to do it all? I was telling God, I was like, God, why would I ever try to do something apart from you? I've seen and tasted both sides, and man, one is way better than the other. But this is the part that is at the crux of the issue, and that is, will we truly lay all down and follow him with everything that we have. And I, I feel like, you know, boy, great job. You know, you just said the most obvious thing uh, that we say all the time at church and talk about all the time. Well, guess what? Paul tells his, his Philippian friends something. He says, for me to repeat these things to you is not tedious. It's safe. And he added, because you got a thick skull. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know about you, but mine is really thick. Ask my wife. <laughs> Where'd she go? She's like, he, he's going he's gonna to look over, and I'm not going to want to nod at that one. But uh, the, the skull can be rather thick, or King James, thicketh. Uh, <laughs> sorry, make sure we cover all. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, ESV, dense. Uh, sorry, okay, whoa. We're, we're going down a steep ride. Okay. Oh, thank you, Lord. But how many know we need to hear it a lot? How many times till we get it and then hear it again and get more out of it? Oh, eating a meal with Jesus is so good. When you feast on his word, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That sounds kind of crazy. He said, I am the word made flesh. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Like, eat of who I am. When we feast on him, man, what a meal. It just never ends. Like, I'm full, but yet I can always eat more. Because he's so good. Jesus said to his disciples, 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I think we sometimes in worship can quickly jump to the, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? And then there's that part right before it, denying self, picking up the cross, then we follow. But this is where transformation occurs. I look at people's lives and I can, you can see someone who's a follower and you can see someone who's a believer. Do you know what I mean when I say, like, we're all believers, amen, praise God, but a believer only with a lack of following. Do you know what I'm saying? And this is not to point fingers, this is not to call things out. This is a, man, God doesn't want us to live with less anymore. He doesn't want us to live in compromise and double-heartedness and, or I should say half-heartedness and double-mindedness anymore. I began, I told you my story a little bit, about, you know, praying for things like a job that I really thought was the right place for, you know, in my future or this or that. And uh, I, uh, I began, I've learned to, uh, to ask him about it. It's amazing uh, when we sit with him and spend time with him, he actually like wants to lead us. And uh, this is a crazy prayer. I prayed this with a friend the other uh, couple weeks ago about a situation, and uh, it was like the next day we saw the prayer answered. But I, I said, I like to pray, Lord. You, you're, you said that you have the keys of David, and that you open the door, no man can shut, and close the door, no man can open. Right. And so I like to pray that over situations in my life. I say, Lord, I especially, I, I just know no one can close the door that you open. So I thank you for that. But I pray specifically, Lord, shut the door quickly if it's not you. He has been so faithful to do that in our life. I mean, since we started learning to pray that way, I'm telling you, because we submit to him and we say, God, we don't know it. I don't actually know the best path here. You do. So I'm going to follow you, but I'm asking you, shut those doors. Like, make it real narrow. I sometimes find myself going, man... I really feel like my life is narrow. Like, like turning on a show on TV. I, this didn't used to be this way, but I, there'll be times where I turn on a show and I'm like, Phew, I just, I don't, I don't think anyone else, I, I'm not here to tell anyone else that they can't watch that, but I just feel like I can't watch this. I feel like a dummy, like this is rated PG or, you know, what, I don't know. But, but it's almost like the Holy Spirit cares about the little stuff as much as the small stuff and it's almost like he who sees who they, they who are faithful and little will make them ruler over much. There's something about God being able to entrust more in our hands. And I tell you what, God so wants to trust you with more. Like, I pray that that's an encouraging sound to you. God wants to trust you with more. And I've seen people go through a season where it's like, it's almost like they've kind of... Um, Resisted. I can say I see this because I've done it, okay? This is not point of fear. Where you just like resist God and you don't really fully follow, but then that one moment, and it's like things don't ever seem to be advancing. You know what I mean? Like si yeah. situations can change and that sort of thing, but it's like you're kind of just running around the mountain and not really going anywhere. And kind of like the Israelites, 40 years, right? Took 40 years to get rid of the 
stuff that didn't belong. But then you find that place of surrender and you really say, okay, God, I give up, I'm done. And then it's like, boom, things change. Like miracles start breaking out or or God starts doing different things in your life and it's just amazing and it's like God just, he's like, I've been waiting, been waiting 40 years to bring you into this promised land, maybe four months, maybe four days, who knows? And so I'm gonna encourage you, sometimes the small stuff really matters. I'm just reminded of this, I, this story, but this is an example. I, I, God really cares about the small stuff, and I, I think he's just going after some of it right now to just really purge our hearts and cleanse our hearts because he wants to trust us with his glory. I'm telling you, this house is, is designed, it's a building. It's just walls, it's just sheetrock, coat of paint that was put on in the last few years and some cool flags, Right? But when we gather in this place, it's something special. It's something set apart. It's something sacred. It's something holy. This altar, it's just carpet, you know? People have cried on this carpet, and there's tears causing mildew below the carpet. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. No, it's okay. It's, we have air circulating and so. But, uh, but the carpet isn't fancy, but when we gather... And we come together in the presence of God. And God starts speaking to your heart. And there's a call that says, if you need to respond to him, respond. And, and you walk up and you, you go, you know what? I for, forget what anybody thinks. I've got to make an exchange with him today. I can't live like this anymore. Lord, I've got to give this over to you. And we walk and we do something. Something happens here. What is it? It's not magic. It's an encounter it's, it's a transaction between humanity and divinity. It's holiness overriding flesh. It's, it's the goodness of God saying, all right, when you let me, I'm going to do something amazing in your life. But man, our flesh does not want to give. You ever seen a toddler? I mean, man. I, I've told this many times uh, that... I've li- I liken the devil to a toddler <laughs> because he will continually see if he can cross the line in your life. And if he crosses the line and you don't tell him to stop it, he's going to keep going. says that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion. He ain't a real lion. He's like a lion. He's a fake. Seeking whom he may devour. Our part is to say you may not. Amen? Amen? But I'll tell you what, that line is really easy for him when there's compromise in our life. I'm telling you, the devil is totally okay with people going to church as long as they leave the same way they came. He's okay with people coming to church. I'm like... I'm sure the devil's like, you know what? Actually, you keep going to church because your heart just got harder last week. Because you heard the word. Something in you is saying, you know what? You've got to give that up. And you resist it. I'm telling you, the devil gets excited about that stuff. And God's heart is not mad towards that. His heart breaks towards that. I don't know. You know, some of us are like, okay, God's not brokenhearted. He's he's all put together. (laughs) But... His heart burns for us 
to really, really live in surrender. Why? Because that's where real freedom comes. Cartine was just saying it. If I have Jesus, I am free. That is so true when we follow him. Praying a prayer does not necessarily mean freedom. Because if my heart says, I'm going to pray this prayer because it's a calculation and it's going to get me something, but I'm going to go back to living however I want to live, then that prayer meant nothing. And my heart probably just got harder in the process. And so here today, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to just bring us in this place of, man, have I fully surrendered? Have I fully laid it all down? Um, but God cares about the little stuff. I just keep thinking about this story. Abraham, excuse me, wrong guy. Hey, how many, uh, do you guys know how many sheep uh, Moses put in the boat, in, in the ark? How many? None, because it was Noah. Um, Moses said, I know a guy. Uh, but uh, when somebody asked him about a boat. But Moses, hanging out with the Israelites, trying to keep them from going nuts, they keep, for some reason, wanting to make cows out of gold. I mean, that's just weird. But uh, anyway, uh, Moses is, is trying to keep Israel at bay, and his sister and brother have a, this secret little chit-chat where they're accusing Moses, and they're speaking ill of him. They're saying, he ain't. What's, what, why is he so special? And God tells them, get in here. And he calls them into the meeting with Moses. And Moses, as you know, had a tent of meeting and God's glory would descend. And all of Israel, it said, they'd pop their heads out of the tent and they'd see the cloud come down. Moses would meet with God. Moses meet with God. How many know that's an Old Testament type of what we're supposed to be able to enjoy Every day, all day, all the time. No more mediator, mediator. No other man. You don't go, hey, pastor, can, can you meet with God and ask him about the situation in my life? You can say, God, I have not been asking you for leadership in this area. Would you lead me? And the Lord might give a word to a pastor. The Lord might give a word to a child Say, hey, have you thought of this? <laughs> and God can speak through that. But I tell you what, man, we can go right to him. And it's a lot easier when we just, we just spend time with them with no agenda whatsoever. And you start just taking time with Jesus. I tell you what, there's time, there was this one time I, I had just like been so busy and all this stuff. And I, I'm like, man, I haven't spent time with you. And I just felt so unworthy. Do you ever feel that way? And I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to. I'm going to carve out, and I, I just took hours, and I just closed the door, and I just spent time with him. There was a time of weeping, time of all this, and, but through it all, the Lord was started speaking things into my heart, into my life that I wasn't even asking him about, and it was so good. I left so transformed, so encouraged, so built up, and so when we spend time with him, man, you, you never regret it, but he, he gets really upset about this whole little tiny chit-chat. It was a small little thing. They were not on social media blasting him on Instagram or whatever gram, uh, Miriam and, and Aaron. They didn't have a whole bunch of followers and 
rising up protest on Moses. But God knew what was going on in their hearts. And he said, uh, hey, check this out. Um, look at your hands. You're going to see some leprosy on, on Miriam. And then, he, and then the, uh, Moses prayed, and, and it was taken away, of course. And, but later, Aaron also received some correction. I always wondered about that scene. It doesn't seem like Aaron kind of gets his fair share or, or kind of what happened with the golden calf. But then you, you do see it play out. God, it's sowing and reaping. But uh, God cares about the little stuff. Man, I feel like there's just something uh, really, really, really clear, really, really small. The Lord's just dealing with some hearts this morning. And the Lord's just saying if there's whatever that thing is, it's coming to mind, I believe, just as, as we speak. The Holy Spirit brings it to the surface. It's not to condemn you. It's to bring you into freedom. It's to, the devil is the one who has lied to you saying it is okay to have a toe in God and another toe into other stuff. But when you give all to him, there's a freedom you've not tasted. And the Lord wants you to taste that freedom. Taste the joy. Taste the peace that's in that. But I believe that the Lord is dealing deeply with hearts um, this morning. I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit here. We're just going to follow him best we can. But I'm telling you, if you feel God speaking to your heart, I'm telling you, as a, if you are my child... Most of you, no, some of you are older than I am. Some of you are younger than I am. But I used to always tell this to the youth when I had to share something that was like real. I'd tell them, I was like, I'm telling you this like you're my own child. If I was a father and like this is the last thing I could say to you, like I need you to get a hold of this. Do not resist him when he's drawing near to you. Do not resist him when he's tugging you to draw to him. I'm telling you, do not resist it. So if, when there's time to respond here, there's going to be a time. We call this the altar. If you've been in church a while, you've, you know what that is. In the Old Testament, the altar was where the sacrifice would be they'd actually cut an animal. It would bleed to death. They would lay it on this thing called an altar made of stone or of wood, and they would lay it there, and then God would consume it with fire, showing that the sacrifice had been accepted or it was like the deal was done. Jesus is the Lamb of God who is like a lamb led to the slaughter. He died, his blood shed on a piece of wood, and he died on our behalf, right? And then 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes down on those that are covered in the blood or the sacrifice and the Holy Spirit, that fire touches where the blood has been, showing that that's a living sacrifice. That's, that's a sacrifice that's acceptable to God. And we're to live as a living sacrifice. So altar life is a good life. Amen? If you, if you live on the altar, you'll be altered. Whoa. That was either really Twitterable or really dad jokey. Uh, it's one, maybe both. Um, but I'm telling you what, my life's been changed at this altar. You've probably heard me say this a hundred times, but there was a time we had a, a guest minister, and 
I remember being in, we had this, we were having Crazy Town Revival, and it was awesome, and I believe greater things are coming here. Um, but we had this huge tub, pool type thing. Was it a hot tub or something? I don't know. Portable outside pool type thing, and uh, we were doing mass baptisms. Like, everybody's getting dunked, and I was like, I was in charge of mopping. I was 14 years old, 13 or 14, and I was in charge of mopping, and I'm like, make sure people don't slip, because we had plastic everywhere to protect this gorgeous carpet, and, um, and uh, anyway, people are going in and out, in and out, in and out, and this, we had this guy from South Africa, touch, touch, you know, and, uh, or whatever else he said, but um, awesome man of God, still alive, uh, so shouldn't speak that past tense of him, but uh, anyway, he's, he's praying, so I'm, finally, I'm just like, you know what, what do I have to prove to anybody else? I, something in me just thinks... Lord, I, I just want to make sure I've really, really, really committed everything to you, and I'm going to just do that now. And so I go and I hop in the pool. And I remember, I think there were two people in the water. I don't remember the second person. The first person I do remember, his name was Gary, Gary Klingen. And uh, when I was 12, 13, 14, Gary was like, you know, I looked up to him like that, and um, big, strong guy, and uh, still is, very dapper. And... Uh, Anyway, I get in the water, and, and the minister is here, and the water's about at least six feet away from, the, from where he's standing. And he just goes, in Jesus' name, or touch, or something like that. And he, I just remember him waving his hand. And I remember it feeling like two hands had just pushed me down. And I'm thinking, these ushers shoved me under the water. That was like a mean baptism, you know? Like, we do baptisms all sweet, okay? Plug your nose. Okay, bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. All right, precious. And then we dunk them. Glide, glide into the water. Out we come. You've been baptizoed, okay? And that's the Greek. Uh, anyway, normally we're pretty gentle, but I was like, you know, under. And, uh, and I get out. I, I kid you not, I, I can't forget this. It's just so real in my memory. Uh, again, about 13, 14 years, I remember grabbing Gary going, did you push me? I don't know if he can remember that, but I just remember going, did you push me? And he's like, no, no. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> calm down there, uh, water boy. And, uh... But I'd been marked. There's times where I've wept here. There's, there's times where I've felt literally the fire of God in my belly to a point where I, like, I couldn't stand. It was like it just... It's just so powerful. There's times where it's been just a sweetness and a stillness. There's times where I have walked away and I haven't had a load of tears. I haven't had an emotional reaction. But something's changed. Why? Because when we come to him with a sincere, humble heart, God can do a lot with that. Praise God. Okay, I'm going I'm to give you my three points in about four seconds. One... This is about being a follower, not a believer only. One, real belief, real faith leads to action. We don't do stuff to earn God's love. We are loved by him, and when we realize how much we're loved by him, it leads us unto good works. Amen? You read Ephesians, and it talks, we love, you know, I'm not saved by grace, I'm only saved by grace, not by works, Right? By grace through faith is how we're saved. You read a few more verses, and it's like, and you're saved unto good works. 
We get to be a co-laborer with Christ. I tell you what, unhappy Christians are the ones who have just enough of God and enough of the world to just be absolutely miserable. Faith follows him. Faith will follow him. And I tell you what, faith comes from knowing him. It comes from hearing him. It comes from drawing near to him. But, and we need to know the word of God. If you, if you don't know the word of God, I'm telling you we're missing out on so much of knowing him. And if I don't know him, how can I hear him? And if I don't hear him, I'm telling you what, it's going to be really hard to walk in faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's not just the Logos word of God. That's the Rhema word of God where God takes his word and he goes, take this and apply it to your life now. And man, it's amazing what God will do. I can read a scripture a hundred times. The other day I was telling Jules, I'm reading in John chapter five and I'm like, I've, I'm thinking that the writers of this version of New King James just slipped in a verse I've never seen before because I've never seen this. That's what it feels like. And it's amazing. It just comes alive. But man, we get to live with God, live an adventure of, of him just bringing his word to life in our, in our hearts when we're just following him. Faith without works is dead. So faith leads to action. Belief leads to action. Second, God absolutely, I want to make this super, super clear. God absolutely has a purpose and a plan specific to your life. And I think some of us think, hey, there's some pastors out there, there's some evangelists, there's some apostles, they got it like a tight road to walk, but most of us can kind of just meander and kind of just figure it out and just make sure I say in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of the day. I don't know about you, I used to think that way. But God has a very specific purpose and plan. I, I, I kid you not, I thought I would never preach. I thought I would never be a pastor. I thought I would never be in ministry of any kind. I really thought that, even though like going back to being a child, there was just something in me that was just so in love with him. But I, I just, I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, there's kings and priests, and I'm just going to be a king and let the priest be the priest. And I didn't realize, oh, no, no, I'm supposed to be a king and a priest. All of us are. We are a royal priesthood. We're here to show forth his, his goodness. We're taken out of marvelous light, or out of, out of darkness into marvelous light to show forth his goodness, his good works, amen? Um, in Jeremiah 29, God says, for I know the plans or the thoughts that I think towards you, or I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I have learned this. God's plan is better than my plan. And he has one. He has one. I feel like there's somebody here, you need to hear that today. God actually has a plan for your life, and you didn't think that. You, you've thought, I'm kind of like not that important, so there's not really a clear plan for my life, but maybe he'll kind of throw me a bone here and there. God has a distinct plan for your life, you individually. And it involves a lot of people. Because it always does. We are, God's plans are never Lone Ranger plans. I love Pastor Steve Holder. He said, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. <laughs> but God has a distinct plan.
plan for your life. And when you begin to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, I don't know what that means. I don't even know what the next step is. That's the perfect attitude when you say, I don't know, but I will follow. Okay, third, it is filling to follow. Okay, so first point, because then you can say I had points. One, belief leads to action. Two, God absolutely has a distinct plan for your life uniquely. And three, it is filling to follow. Or it's satisfying to follow. It's nourishing to follow. How do I know that? Jesus, I love this. In John chapter 4, he just got hanging out with the woman at the well. Totally counterculture. First of all, Jesus shouldn't be alone with a woman for a minute. He's sitting at a well. But second, not a Samaritan woman. They like, they have germs. They have cooties. You didn't know that? There's some Samaritans in, uh, over in Bothell. But um, anyway, sorry. I live in Bothell. I could say that, uh, which is somehow two minutes from here. But anyway, uh, Jesus, it said, I must go to Samaria at the beginning of John 4. He needed to go to Samaria. The disciples are like, no, we don't. First of all, that's the long way. Second of all, it's Samaria. It's Bothell. Let's not go there. Okay, I'm just, I'm totally joking, but um, about the Bothell part. Jesus had this focus, this intensity. He was so focused on following the will of the Father. He knew Samaria needed him. He knew Samaria. There was one person in Samaria, in particular, God went out of his entire way to go meet. Don't tell me God does not care about just you. He cares about all of us and each of us at the same time. And he knows there's a heart that's ready. There's a town that's ready. How many know, how many are believing Linwood's getting ready? How many believe in this region is getting ready for a move of God? But God's looking to encounter just a few that'll leave a well saying, I don't need to drink from here anymore. I love that story because it says she left her water pot at the well. You don't leave your water pot at the well in that culture. You do not. Your well, you go to the well to fill the water pot and bring the water home. It says she left it there. Why? Jesus said, I've got better water for you to drink. Amen. Living water. You'll never thirst again. I love that. I mean, isn't it amazing? In Scripture, it says she left her water pot. She didn't need to drink from the old well anymore. She'd been changed and transformed, and in minutes, that whole city's changed and transformed. Over the course of days, revival breaks out, and people are getting healed and saved and delivered, and all sorts of miracles are happening because one person said, oh, I'm going to try drinking of that living water, but it means abandon the old and follow the new. And right after that, the, the disciples are like, hey, you, you were hanging out with a woman, a Samaritan what are, you, what are you trying to do, Jesus? Are you trying to get us in trouble? I think I saw the press over there, and 
paparazzi. And uh, she goes into town. She, she leaves. says, in the meantime, his disciples came to him and said, hey, Rabbi, why don't you eat? Take a bite of food. And he says this, I have a food to eat you don't know about. I am so satisfied. I'm so fulfilled. I'm so nourished. I'm so strengthened. I'm, I'm not hungry because I have found a food to eat that you don't know about yet. And then he goes on to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, to follow him, to follow the Father. That's the kind of food I believe God wants us to eat, and I, I believe we're... we're called to feast upon and be nourished by and be strengthened in as we follow him. Um, can I ask, uh, maybe just Christy and Rodney, if you, either one of you or both of you, whatever you guys feel up for. We just don't need the whole team. Thank you, thank you. You ever had a, a meal that left you a little bit not totally satisfied? I, I love my wife's cooking. I always tell her all the time, I, like, I just love her cooking. It's, it's so good. You'll have to try some of her cooking. But um, it's so good. Like, I, it's not too much. It's not too little. It's not too heavy. It's not too light. It's just like this, ah, it's fresh. It's good. It, she does all organic, you know, so she's doing it totally by Scripture. Um, no, I'm sure. <laughs> It says non-GMO in, in the book of hesitations. So, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> isn't it amazing, though, how simple it is? Jesus compares following God to eating really good food. I believe that's a picture that we're to be nourished and strengthened as we follow. As we walk, God meets the need. As we go, as we're with him, God's filling us. God's strengthening us. God's giving us what we need as we go. How many examples do we see in Scripture where someone was healed as they went? I mean, God had a miracle for Naaman. I think there's a lot of us who are Naamans. Would you, would you guys stand as we come to a close? I just feel like we're going to have some family time at the altar here. And by family time, I just mean just let God, we're going to let, see what God wants to do in ministering to our hearts. But I want to challenge you, if you feel the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you and drawing you, and there's something in you that's like, I think there's something I need to give up, or maybe there's something I need to step into. I want you to not leave this place without having responded to God. And I believe one of the ways God wants us to respond today is to come forward to this altar. And that's not to please a man. We are not to please man. And half the time, the reason I don't go to the, any of us won't go to the altar is because we're worried what somebody thinks. I mean, isn't it funny how important things seem for a moment? Popularity. You remember high school? Some of you are in high school. Some of you are going to be in high school. Some of you high school is just a little while ago. Do you remember how important popularity was then? 
maybe y'all were just super popular and, and totally cool, but I remember thinking, man, that would be cool. And it's like the moment graduation occurs, it's a vapor. It just disappears. It means nothing. It's so useless. <laughs> it means nothing. You ever, you ever seen a stage during a, like a, a politics season where somebody's going for president and you see these, these gatherings of people and the people are going nuts? I mean, losing their mind, cheering. Somebody says a speech. Every three words, somebody gives us a speech. The people are cheering and yelling and screaming. And just months later, the same people can be like, yeah, we don't like you anymore. I mean, the popularity with man means nothing. Yes. Let it be said of my life, I pray it's said of all of our lives, that the only thing that matters is popularity in heaven. Popularity with the one yes. who created us. The Bible says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us put our eyes on him. Let us set our, fix our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith and lay aside all the weights and the things that have been hindering us and just run and go after him, follow him, but our eyes set on him. He's the author and the finisher. It begins with him and it completes with him. Our part is to run the race. Our part is to go with him, follow him. Faith should lead us into movement. I'm so proud of Joan and Eddie the, a couple weeks ago. Faith led to action. Said, you know what? I, I need to get baptized. They were baptized in water. Man, praise God. That's not small in God's eyes. That's huge in God's eyes. Is it just a tank of water that hopefully is slightly warm? Yes. Just water. But when that heart goes in that water and comes out, man, in God's eyes, it's way more than water. And how many know stepping forward to an altar to respond to God is way more than a few footsteps. It's way more than picking a piece of carpet to stand on. It's an encounter between mankind and heaven. And God so wants to make an exchange with us today. I believe there's hearts today that God wants to just uh, really stir up and call into action of really following him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And if you're here today and you need to respond to God, I want you to just, you can come now. You can come to the altar. But if you've been struggling to break free out of lukewarmness, specifically, if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I just feel like there's been a lukewarmness in my heart. I've been a little bit in here and a little bit in here. And I'm, God, I'm giving you my heart today, but tomorrow I'm off. God wants to break you free from that today. I feel the Holy Spirit. I, I felt this last night. The Holy Spirit wants to break something off your life that you can step into red hot, white hot Christianity, following him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength. And if you're here today and you do not have relationship with Jesus, notice I did not say if this is your first time in church, if you do not have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, savior of the world, but savior of your own heart, if you do not have a relationship with him, I want you to come this morning and give your life to him. I'm telling you today, come today, give him your life. I tell you what, what I, I, I was in church for many years and I've, man, I believe I was saved when I was young. I, I had awesome encounters with God, but I knew what it was to walk away from him. And in 2007, I knew, I found again what it was to say, God, 
I give you my life. Yes. Everything that it is, yes. my life, it's yes. yours. It belongs to you. It's not my own, it's yours, God. And I tell you what, I have never regretted that decision for one moment, but I look back and I do regret how slow I was. I was just like Naaman. I don't want to dunk in these waters and get baptized seven times. That stupid prophet, he told me I have to dunk in the waters. What? Is, that's so weird. He said seven times. He gets in the water finally one time, now nah, nothing. Five times, nothing. Six times, nothing. But on the seventh time, what happened? Leprosy was completely removed. There's something about whatever it takes for us to really give God everything. That's where the miracle is found. That's where God transforms our life. So if you're here today and you need to respond to God, you're not already, I want you to come forward. I want you to respond to him. This is you and God. This is saying, God, I give you my life. God, I give you everything. You could have walked with him for many years, but if there's compromise in your heart and you say, God, I don't even want an ounce. I don't want to live with 99% belonging to you. I want to give it all. Make sure you don't leave here today without responding to that call of the Holy Spirit today. If you're in need of a miracle, you're in need of God to do something mighty in your life, we want to pray with you. We want to believe with you to see what God will do that goes beyond all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you all just lift your hands? Just lift your hands to the Lord if you can, if you're spending time with God and you're not hearing my voice right now, that's cool. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you. We want all that you have and we give you all that we are. Out of your own heart, I don't want you to repeat after me, but out of your own heart, I want you to just say, God, I give you my life. Just whatever, what, what flows out of your heart right now. Just say, God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I lay everything down. I give you my life. And I tell you what, I, I'm going to use a, a crazy word it's in scripture a lot. And that's the word Repentance. And it's not a bad word. It's a really, really good word. Why? Because it's a word that always leads to life. And repentance is not the practice of the sinner. Repentance is the practice of the righteous. Jesus says, therefore, be zealous and repent in Revelations 3. When he says, don't be lukewarm, don't be this or that, repent. It's a call unto total freedom, unto entering into his life. But today, if you're here and you know there's something you need to turn away from, turning away from compromise, turning away from lukewarmness, turning away from, from things that you know have opened the door in your life. I believe the Lord is here today to set people free from addictions to pornography. Yes, I said that out loud in church. The Lord is here to set people free. I'm telling you what. The devil's won for way too long in the house of God, convincing believers it's okay. Convincing believers a little compromise is okay. I'm sorry, the creeping locust has got to go in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you, the wrestling in your life has been in an area of sexual impurity, 
I want you to just give that to God. I'm not asking you to announce it. I'm asking you to give it to Him.